The Seventh Book of Orlando Furioso. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Orlando Furioso by Ludovico Ariosto. Translated by Sir John Harrington. Book Seven. The Argument. When foul Eryphala was overcome, Ruggiero guided by two stately dames unto Alcina's sumptuous court doth come, where he his time in pleasure spends and games. Melissa him rebukes, he standeth dumb, and at her true reproof he greatly shames. In fine, by her good counsel and direction, he frees himself from that most foul subjection. All they that to far countries do resort shall see strange sights in earth, in seas, in skies, which, when again at home they shall report, their solemn tales esteemed are as lies. For why the fond and simple common sort believe but what they feel or see with eyes, therefore to them my tale may seem a fable, whose wits to understand it are not able. But careless what the simple sot surmise, if they shall deem it a device or deed, Yet sure to those that are discreet and wise it will no wonder nor no passion breed. Wherefore my tale to such I do devise, and wish them to the same to take good heed. For there are some may fortune in this book, as in a glass their acts and haps to look. For many men with hope and show of pleasure are carried far in foolish fond conceit, and waste their precious time and spend their treasure before they can discover this deceit. O oh, happy they that keep within their measure To turn their course in time and sound retreat, Before that wit, with late repentance taught, Were better never had than so dear bought. A little while before I did rehearse How that Rogero with two dames was brought To combat with a riffle of the fierce, Who for to stop the bridge and passage sought. In vain it were for to declare in verse How sumptuously her armor all was wrought, All set with stones and gilt with Indian gold, both fit for use, and pleasant to behold. She mounted was, but not upon a steed, instead whereof she on a wolf doth sit, a wolf whose match a pulia doth not breed, well taught to hand, although she used no bit, and all of sandy colour was her weed. Her arms were thus, for such a champion fit, an ugly toad was painted on her shield, with poison swole, and in a sable field. Now each the other forthwith had descried, and each with other then prepared to fight. When each the other scornfully defied, each seeks to hurt the other all he might. But she, unable his fierce blows to bide, beneath the visor smitten was so right that from her seat six paces she was heaved, and lay like one of life and sense bereaved. Rogero ready was to draw his sword to head the monster lying on the sand, until those dames with many a gentle word assuaged his heat, and made him hold his hand. He might in honour now her life afford, sith at his mercy holy she would stand. Wherefore? Sir Knight, put up your blade, say they, let's pass the bridge, and follow on our way. The way as yet unpleasant was and ill, among the thorny bushes and between, all stony, steep, ascending up the hill, a way less pleasant seldom hath been seen. But this once passed according to their will, and they now mounted up upon the green, they saw the fairest castle standing by that e'er was seen by any mortal eye. Alcina met them at the outer gate, and came before the rest a little space, 
and with a countenance full of high estate salutes Rogero with a goodly grace, and all the other courtiers in like rate do bid Rogero welcome to the place, with so great shows of duty and of love, as if some god descended from above. Nor only was this palace for the sight most goodly fair, and stately to behold, but that the people's curtsy bred delight, which was as great as could with tongue be told. All were of youth and beauty shining bright, yet to confirm this thing I dare be bold, that ere Alcina passed the rest as far as doth the sun another little star. The shape whose like in wax were hard to frame, or to express by skill of painters rare. Her hair was long and yellow to the same as might with wire of beaten gold compare. Her lovely cheeks, with show of modest shame, with roses and with lilies painted are. Her forehead fair and full of seemly cheer, as smooth as polished ivory doth appear. Within two arches of most curious fashion stand two gray eyes that like to clear suns shined, of steady look but apt to take compassion, amid which lights the naked boy and blind doth cast his darts that cause so many a passion, and leave a sweet and cureless wound behind. From thence the nose in such good sort descended, as envy knows not how it may be mended, conjoined to which in due and comely space doth stand the mouth stained with vermilion hue two rows of precious pearls serve in their place to show and shut a lip right fair to view hence some the courteous words and full of grace that mollify hard hearts and make them new from hence proceed those smilings sweet and nice that seem to make an earthly paradise her breast as milk her neck as white as snow her neck was round most plump and large her breasts two ivory apples seemed there to grow full tender smooth and fittest to be pressed they wave like seas when winds most calm do blow but argus self might not discern the rest yet by presumption well it might be guessed that that which was concealed was the best her arms due measure of proportion bare, her fair white hand was to be viewed plain, the fingers long, the joints so curious are as neither not appeared nor swelling vain, and full to perfect all those features rare, the foot that to be seen doth so remain, both slender, short, little it was, and round, a finer foot might nowhere well be found. She had on every side prepared a net, if so she walk, or laugh, or sing, or stand. Rogero, now the council doth forget he had received late at Astolfo's hand, he doth at naught those wholesome precepts set that warned him to shun Alcina's land. He thought no fraud, no treason, nor no guile could be accompanied with so sweet a smile. The dame of France, whom he so loved erst, he quite forgets, so far arrive he swarved. His tale Astolfo had to him rehearsed, he thinketh false, or else by him dissolved. Alcina's goodly shape his heart so pursed, she only seemed a mistress to be sarved. Ne must you blame Rogera's inclination, but rather blame the force of incantation. Now, as abroad the stately courts did sound of trumpets, shagbok, cornets, and of flutes, 
even so within there wants no pleasing sound of virginals of viols and of lutes upon the which persons not few were found that did record their loves and loving suits and in some song of love and wanton verse their good or ill successes did rehearse as for the sumptuous and luxurious fair i think not they that ninus did succeed nor cleopatra fair whose riot rare to antony such love and loss did breed might with alcina's any way compare whose love did all the others far exceed so deeply was she ravished in the sight of this so valiant and so comely knight the supper done and tables ta'en away to purposes and such like toys they went each one to other secretly to say some word by which some pretty toy is meant this helped the lovers better to bewray each unto other what was their intent for when the word was hither tossed and thither their last conclusion was to lie together these pretty kinds of amorous sports once ended with torches to his chamber he was brought on him a crew of gallant squires attended that every way to do him honour sought the chamber's furniture could not be mended it seemed arachne had the hangings wrought a blanket new was made the which once finished the company by one and one diminished now was rogero couched in his bed between a pair of cambric sheets perfumed and oft he hearkens with his wakeful head for her whose love his heart and soul consumed each little noise hope of her coming bred which finding false against himself he fumed and cursed the cause that did him so much wrong to cause alcina tarry thence so long sometime from bed he softly doth arise and look abroad if he might her espy sometime he with himself doth thus devise now is she coming now she draws thus nigh sometime for very anger out he cries what meaneth she she doth no faster hie sometimes he casts lest any let should be between his hand and this desired tree but fair alcina when with odours sweet she was perfumed according to her skill the time once come she deemeth fit and meet when all the house were now asleep and still with rich embroidered slippers on her feet she goes to give and take of joys her fill to him whom hope and fear so long assailed till sleep drew on and hope and fear both failed now when astolfo successor espied those earthly stars her fair and heavenly eyes as sulphur once inflamed cannot hide even so the metal in his veins that lies so flamed that in the skin it can't could bide but of a sudden straight it doth arise leaps out of bed and her in arms embraced ne would he stay till she herself unlaced so utterly impatient of all stay that though her mantle was but citrus light and next upon her smock of lawn it lay yet so the champion hasted to the fight the mantle with his fury fell away and now the smock remained alone in sight which smock as plain her beauties all discloses as doth a glass the lilies fair and roses and look how close the ivy doth embrace the tree or branch about the which it grows so close the lovers couched in the place each drawing in the breath the other blows 
but how great joys they found that little space ye well may guess but none for certain knows their sport was such so well their leer they could that oft they had two tongues within one mouth now though they keep this close with great regard yet not so close but some did find the same for though that virtue oft wants due reward yet seldom vice wants due deserved blame rogero still was more and more perfard each one to him with cap and curtsy came for fair alcina being now in love would have him place the others all above in pleasure here they spend the night and day they change their clothes so often as they lust within they feast they dance to sport and play abroad they hunt they hawk they ride they just and so while sensual life doth bear the sway all discipline is trodden in the dust thus while rogero here his time misspends he quite forgets his duty and his friends for while rogero bides in feast and joy king agramant doth take great care and pain dame bradamant doth suffer great annoy and travelled far to find him all in vain she little knew alcina did enjoy her due delights yet doth she moan and plain to think how strangely the same flying horse bear him away against his will by force in towns in fields in hills in dales she sought in tents in camps in lodgings and in caves oft she inquired but yet she learned not she passed the rivers fresh and salt sea waves among the turks she leaves him not unsought grim mercy ring that her from danger saves a ring whose virtue works a thing scant possible which holding in her mouth she goes invisible she will not nor she cannot think him dead for if a man of so great worth should die it would some great report or fame have bred from east unto the west both far and nigh it cannot sink nor settle in her head whether he be in seas in earth or sky yet still she seeks and her companions are sorrows and sighs and fears and loving care at last she means to turn unto the cave where lie the great and learned merlin's bones and at that tomb to cry so loud and rave as shall with pity move the marble stones nor till she may some certain notice have of her beloved to stay her plaints and moans in hope to bring her purpose to effect by doing as that prophet should direct now as her course to poitiers way she bent melissa using wanted skill and art encountered her her journey to prevent who knew full well and did to her impart both where he was and how his time was spent which grieved the venturous damsel to the heart that such a knight so valiant erst and wise should so be drowned in pleasure and in vice o oh, poisoned hook that lurks in sugared bait o oh, pleasures vain that in this world are found which like a subtle thief do lie in wait to swallow man in sink of sin profound o oh, kings and peers beware of this deceit and be not in this gulf of pleasure drowned the time will come and must i tell you all when these your joys shall bitter seem as gall then turn your cloth of gold to clothes of hairs your feasts to fasts to sorrow turn your songs 
your wanton toys and smilings into tears, to restitution turn your doing wrongs, your fond secureness turn to godly fears, and know that vengeance unto God belongs, who, when he comes to judge the souls of men, it will be late, alas, to mend it then. Then shall the virtuous man shine like the sun, then shall the vicious man repent his pleasure, then one good deed of alms sincerely done shall be more worth than mines of Indian treasure, then sentence shall be given, which none shall shun, then God shall weigh and pay our deeds by measure. Unfortunate and thrice accursed they whom fond delights to make forget that day. But to return unto my tale again, I say Melissa took no little care to draw Rogero by some honest train from this same place of feasts and dainty fare, and like a faithful friend refused no pain to set him free from her sweet senseless snare to which his uncle brought him with intent his destiny thereby for to prevent. As oft we see men are so fond and blind to carry to their sons too much affection, that when they seem to love they are unkind, for they do hate a child that spare correction. So did Atlanta, not with evil mind, give to Ruggiero this so bad direction, but of a purpose thereby to withdraw his fatal end that he before foresaw. For this he sent him past so many seas, unto the isle that I before did name, esteeming less his honour than his ease, a few years' life than everlasting fame. For this he caused him so well to please Alcina, that same rich lascivious dame, that though his time old Nestor's life had finished, yet her affection should not be diminished. But good Melissa, on a ground more sure, that loved his honour better than his weal, by sound persuasions means him to procure from pleasure's court to virtues to appeal, as leeches good that in a desperate cure with steel, with flame, and oft with poison, heal, of which, although the patient do complain, yet at the last he thanks him for his pain. And thus Melissa promised her aid, and helped Rogero back again to bring, which much recomforted the noble maid, that loved this knight above each earthly thing. But for the better doing this, she said, it were behooveful that he had her ring, whose virtue was that whoso did it wear, should never need the force of charms to fear. But Bradamant, that would not only spare her ring to do him good, but eke her heart, commends the ring and him unto her care, and so these ladies take their leave and part. Melissa for her journey doth prepare, by her well-tried skill in magic art, a beast that might supply her present lack, that had one red foot and another black. Such haste she made, that by the break of day she was arrived in Alcina's isle, but straight she changed her shape and her array, that she Rogero better might beguile. Her stature tall she makes, her head all grey, a long white beard she takes to hide the while. In fine, she doth so cunningly dissemble, that she the old Atlanta doth resemble. And in this sort she waiteth till she might by fortune find Rogero in fit place, which very seldom hath for day and night he stood so high in fair Alcina's grace that she could least abide of any wight to have him absent but a minute's space. At last, full early in a morning fair, she spied him walk abroad to take the air. 
About his neck a carpneat rich he wear, Of precious stones all set in gold well tried. His arms, that erst all warlike weapons bear, In golden bracelets wantonly were tied. Into his ears two rings conveyed are golden wire, At which on either side two Indian pearls In making like two pairs of passing price Were pendant at his ears. His locks bedewed with waters of sweet savour Stood curled round in order on his head. He had such wanton, womanish behaviour As though in valence he had long been bred. So changed in speech, in manners, and in favour, So from himself beyond all reason led By these enchantments of this amorous dame, He was himself in nothing but in name. Which when the wise and kind Melissa saw, Resembling still Atlanta's person sage, Of whom Rogero always stood in awe, Even from his tender youth to elder age, She toward him with look austere did draw, And with a voice abrupt, as half in rage, Is this, quoth she, the guerdon and the gain I find for all my travel and my pain? What was for this that I in youth thee fed With marrow of the bears and lions fell? That I through caves and deserts have thee led, Where serpents of most ugly shape do dwell, Where tigers fierce and cruel leopards bred, And taught thee how their forces all to quell? An Attis or Adonis for to be unto Alcina, As I now thee see, Was this foreshowed by those observed stars, By figures and nativities oft cast, By dreams, by oracles that never ours, by those vain arts I studied in times past, that thou shouldst prove so rare a man in wars, whose famous deeds to endless praise should last, whose acts should honoured be both far and near, and not be matched with such another peer. Is this a mean or ready way, Dutro, which other worthy men have trod before, a Caesar or a Scipio to grow? and to increase in honour more and more? But to the end a man may certain know how thrall thou art unto Alcina's lore. Thou wearest here her chains and slavish bands with which she binds thy warlike arms and hands. If thou regard not thine own estimation to which the heavens ordain thee, if thou would, defraud not yet thine heirs and generation, of which I have thee oftentime foretold, Appointed by a turn predestination, Except thou do their due from them withhold, Out of thy loins and bowels to proceed, Such men whose match the world did never breed. Let not so many a worthy soul and mind, Framed by the wisdom of the heavenly king, Be hindered of the bodies them assigned, Whose offspring chief must of thy issue spring. Be not unto thine own blood so unkind, Of whose great triumphs all the world shall ring, Whose successors, whose children and posterity Shall help our country to her old prosperity. What good hath this great queen unto thee done? But many other queens can do the same. What certain gain is by her service won, That soon doth fancy, sooner doth defame? Wherefore, to make thee know what thou hast done, that of thy doings thou mayst have some shame, But wear this ring, and next time you repair to your Alcina, Mark if she be fair. Rogero all abashed and mute did stand with silent tongue, And look for shame downcast. 
the good enchantress, took him by the hand, and on his finger straight the ring she placed. But when this ring had made him understand his own estate, he was so sore aghast he wished himself half buried underground, much rather than in such place once be found. But she that saw her speech took good effect, and that Rogero, shamed of his sin, she doth her person and her name detect, and as herself, not Atlant, doth begin, by counsel and advice him to direct, to rid himself of this so dangerous gin, and gives him perfect notice and instruction how these deceits do bring men to destruction. She showed him plainly she was thither sent by Bradamant that loved him in sincerity, who to deliver him from bondage meant of her that blinded him with false prosperity. How she took Atlant's person to the intent her countenance might carry more austerity, but finding now him home reduced again, she saith she will declare the matter plain. And unto him forthwith she doth impart how that fair dame, that best deserved his love, did send that ring, and would have sent her heart, if so her heart his good so far might move. The ring this virtue had, it could subvert all magic frauds, and make them vain to prove. Rogero, as I said, no time did linger, but put the ring upon his little finger. When truth appeared, Rogero hated more Alcina's trumperies, and did them detest, than he was late enamoured before. O oh, happy ring that makes the bearer blessed! Now saw he that he could not see before, how with deceits Salsina had been dressed, her borrowed beauties all appeared stained, the painting gone, nothing but filth remained. Even as a child that taking from the tree an apple ripe, and hides it in some place, when he returns the same again to see, after a sanite or fortnight's space, doth scant believe it should the same fruit be, when rottenness that ripeness doth deface. And where before delight in it he took, now scant he bides upon the same to look. Even so Ruggiero plainly now descried Alcina's foul disgraces and enormity. Because of this his ring, she could not hide by all her painting any one deformity. He saw most plainly that in her did bide unto her former beauties no conformity, but looked so ugly that from east to west was not a fouler o oh, misshapen beast. Her face was wan, a lean and rivaled skin. Her stature scant three horse-loaves did exceed. Her hair was grey of hue and very thin. Her teeth were gone, her gums served in their steed. No space there was between her nose and chin, her noisome breath contagion would breed. In fine, of her it might have well been said, in Nestor's youth she was a pretty maid. I fear her arts are learned nowadays, to counterfeit their hair and paint their skin. But reasons ring their crafts and guiles berets. No wise man of their paintings pass a pin. Those virtues that in women merit raise are sober shows without chaste thoughts within, true faith and due obedience to their make, and of their children honest care to take. Now, though Ruggiero, as before I said, detested sore the ugly witch's sight, yet by Melissa's counsel wisely led, he doth conceal the matter for a night, till of provision he were better sped, with which he might more safely take his flight 
and taking care his meaning close to hide, he doth forthwith his armor all provide, and tells Alcina he would go and try if that he were not waxen gross or no, because that idle he so long did lie, and never fought with any armed foe. His sword and with girdle he doth tie, with armor on, a walking he doth go, and with a scarf about his arm he lapped the shield that in the cypress case was wrapped. And thus arrayed he cometh to the stable, and took a horse, as wise Melissa taught, a horse as black as any jet or sable, so made as if in wax he had been wrought, most swift for course, and strong of limbs and able. This horse, hight Rabican, was thither brought by Duke Astolfo, who by sorcery was turned late into a myrtle tree. As for the Griffith horse that there was by, Melissa wisheth him to let him stand, and saith that she herself ere long would try to make him gentle to the spur and hand, and that she would hereafter time a spy to bring at him, and let him understand how he should do with very little pain to make him yield to spur, to rod, and rein. She further saith, his flight would be suspected except he let the flying horse to stay. Rogero none of all her words neglected, but did her counsel wise and sage obey. And so, before his meaning was detected, from this misshapen hag he stole away, and means, if God will grant him so much grace, to be at Logistilla's in short space. Such men of arms as watched at the gate he slew, the rest he suddenly assailed, good was his hap that scaped with broken pate. They took their heels, when as their hearts them failed. Alcina now had notice all too late, Rogero was so far it not availed, but in another book shall be contained how him Dame Logistilla entertained. End of Book 7